Will you consider with me how stupid it is to disregard God Almighty and His Holy Spirit and His heaven that goes along with it in favor of the flesh and the devil and the hell that goes along with it? Welcome to New Life. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the telecast tonight. Kind of be an encouragement to you to phone your friends and let them know that we're on and encourage those folks. You are the best advertisement we have. We meet a lot of you, many, many people out in the community through the week that say they listen to the telecast. Some just kind of blow me away, but I am so glad that you are here and uh, we want to ask you to partner with us, not by sending money. We've never asked for money on New Life Telecast, but we want you to partner with us by praying for us and advertising for us by inviting your friends and neighbors to listen in to the program. There are a lot of churches that are waning these days, church fellowships just dwindling away. That's not the case for New Life, thank the Lord. God continues to bless. He continues to draw people in. And I believe that's because the Word of God is being preached and taught in a balanced way. If you're looking for a place like that, uh, perhaps New Life is just, just that. Don't just settle for uh, what you can watch over the television or over uh, social media, as the case might be, some kind of an online version. But be a part of the real deal. We meet Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We always tell you that at the end of the program. But I know how that is. By the end of the program, you're ready to go to the refrigerator. So I'm going to tell you now, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. Something for nearly every member of the family, youth, children, adults. There's a lot going on here at New Life. The most important thing is our worship celebration on Sunday morning and the teaching of the Word of God. That's what we do. So let's get into that. We've been sharing with you from the book of Ezra. Ezra was having a very difficult time, or the people, his people are having a very difficult time at this particular stage in their history because they had strayed away from the things of God. Was that a problem? That is a problem. When you stray away from the things of God, you also choose to take yourself away from His protection and His provision. That's what they were dealing with. I want to read for you an additional passage of Scripture that goes beyond our uh, text passage, and that's found in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 24. We'll get to it in the message here in just a moment, but it goes like this. Again, Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse number 24, speaking of Israel, but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now, and I pray, I ask in the matchless name of Jesus that you would speak by your word to each heart. Lord, help us to listen, not just have your word fall upon deaf ears. Help us to listen. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
You be blessed. Keep your Bibles handy. Follow along with us. We'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be a blessing through you. So I come away from that just a few chapters later, perhaps a few books later, and I have to ask myself, how in the world did this exile come to be? How is it that God's people that were promised a great nation, and promised all these blessings. How is it that those very persons are captured and hauled off to a a foreign country to live under a tyrant king? How did that happen? I just told you a few moments ago, watch this. God's people, the Israelites, abandoned him. They failed to live in pursuit of God. Do you realize that it's easier to do that than you might imagine? Isn't it easy to get into a little routine every week? Get up, go to work, come home, drag the kids to 50 sporting events, come home, take a nap, get up the next day, do it all over again. It's real easy to get into that routine, isn't it? And if you're not real, real careful, it's very easy to get into the routine of ignoring your Heavenly Father. Are you listening to me? That's why Bible reading is so important. That's why a prayer life is so important. That's why church assembly is so important, is to help us keep focused. Well, Israel failed to keep focused. Consequently, watch this, folks. Consequently, in time, God pulled back His provision for and His protection of His people. Now, there are some persons that will argue to you that God would never do that. But God's Word shows us that He will do that. Now, who are you going to believe? A bunch of people that are not pursuing God or God? This resulted in a captivity or bondage to an enemy peoples. By the way, that bondage is a type and shadow of sin. There's a lot could be said about that. The enemy peoples, be it Babylon or Persia or whoever, a type and shadow of the very influence behind it all, which is Satan himself. Understand this. God does not necessarily have to move upon or influence evil persons like Nebuchadnezzar to do evil things. He merely has to lessen his restraint. Did you know that human beings are inherently evil? No, 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 preacher, you don't know my kinfolk. Well, unfortunately, I do know some of your kinfolk. And I know some of you. 
And I know your children's. And I know what the Word of God says. That's why you're going back with me right now to Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. I'm not making this up. This is not on your notes. You'll need to write it on your notes. Genesis 6 and 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, look at this, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That's what happens to man that is left unrestrained by the holiness of God. Preacher, I don't believe that. Here it is. Jeremiah 7 and 24, look at this. Speaking to Israel, the very people that God promised to bless if they would pursue him, but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. Have you ever considered how stubborn we are about our sin? When the preacher says, hey, you sin, you're going to get in trouble. And we're like, I'll take my chances. Bless God, I'm going to keep plowing this evil territory. We're stubborn about our sin. Even when God sends a man along to remind us how stubborn we are, we can become even more stubborner. And I know that's a word, I just made it up. Such restraint from God is done through civil authorities, quite often by direct intervention of Holy Spirit. Watch this, church. Have you ever come into this place even drove your automobile up onto this property and you sent something on your inside that's different from other places. You ever had that happen? Have you ever prayed for someone and at the end of that they're like, whoo, felt something there. It's called Holy Spirit. He's real. God the Father, His Son Jesus, who died and was resurrected and said to His apostles, Hey guys, I'm going to send you back another comforter, Parakletos, Holy Spirit. He won't just walk alongside you. He'll live inside you. That's Holy Spirit that has been given, beloved, to live within us and to help us and to restrain us and to help us maintain our focus oh my goodness I could preach some more on that let me see if I can wrap this up are you about ready to quit number five on your study notes I want to make a point out of this this morning I've told you all of that to kind of land it right here when a person strives for evil long enough an individual strives for evil long enough, God will allow for them to full bore, for a lack of a better way of saying it, experience what they think they want. Does that make sense to you? God, I want that. And God says that won't be good for you. But I want that. That won't be good for you. So they pitch a spiritual temper tantrum. I want that and I'm going to get it. Listen to Romans chapter 1. You have your Bible? Turn over there to Romans chapter 1. Let me show you something. Three times in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. What a chapter. 
a chapter for this day and age. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, we read, Therefore, when you see therefore in the word, see if you can figure out what it's there for. Therefore, which connects you back to the previous verses, God gave them over. You see that phrase? God gave them over. If you'll go to verse 26, you'll also realize that same passage. Because of this, God gave them over. Look at verse 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. If you strive after sin long enough, beloved, at some point in time, God will give you over to that, allow you to have that thing that you think you have to have, which you really do not need at all. And basically what that means, when God, when God gives you over, basically that means there's no con conviction. You're free to chase the devil and free to chase the flesh. You're like, oh, goody, 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 I don't have to put up with God and the Holy Spirit anymore. Will you consider with me how stupid it is to disregard God Almighty and His Holy Spirit and His heaven that goes along with it in favor of the flesh and the devil and the hell that goes along with it? You see, when the conviction leaves, we're not just free to do our own thing. There's some consequences that go along with that. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah. Trying to help you understand something. Trying to tie all this together. Now listen, that's the life of an individual. Watch this, and this goes back to Ezra, and this goes back to this whole story. It is possible. Everybody say possible. It is possible for a large enough population, not just an individual, but a whole gob of individuals, bukus of individuals, to strive for evil long enough, and God will eventually allow for an entire nation to full bore experience what they think they want. History has proved this over and over and over again. The book of Ezra screams this to us. It's a sad reality. And you bear me out on this. We have right this very moment, we have evil governments leading and influencing evil nations all over this world. Did I make that up? No, all you have to do is watch the evening news just a little bit or some source that shows you what's really going on in the world. Now, real quick, let me jump back. Let me come back to Judah's original captor, Babylon, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. I've got a couple of study notes, I think, and we'll, we'll wrap this up. In time, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom would be conquered and displaced by another. I told you that earlier. And that other would be the kingdom of Persia under the kingly authority of Cyrus. Now the original reading that I gave the open with this morning, Ezra chapter 7, had another king of Persia. There's a great long line of 
them. But at this time, it was Cyrus. Now, obviously, that, if you've been paying attention and can put these pieces together, all of that connects Ezra and Cyrus. Cyrus, an intriguing personality. God allowed for Nebuchadnezzar to capture his backslidden people. He also purposed for another to serve as an instrument for bringing restoration to these peoples. None other than Cyrus. Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar hauled the people away. Persia under Cyrus conquered Babylon. So the people that were hauled away under Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, they're there. They are now overtaken by Cyrus and Persia. Does that make sense to you? Pretty important to keep up with all of this as you read through the Bible. Now, let me go back to this 200-year-old prophecy. I'm still wrapping up, so stick with me. I told you earlier I'd probably tell you something about this. I want you to see this. Isaiah 44 and 28. Verse 24 earlier tells us this is what the Lord says. Verse 28, who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and I shall accomplish all that I please. He will say to Jerusalem, Let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundation be laid. Now, how in the world did God know all of that 200 years in advance? Be it known. The God we serve is omniscient. There's not anything he does not know. Past, present, or future. Mess with your head a little bit, won't it? Because I'm looking at a room full of men right now. You've got it in your mind where you're going to eat lunch today. But you haven't talked to your wife yet. So you don't know. It's just a little simple thing like that. And when she says, I don't care where we eat, don't believe it. <laughs> she does. Isaiah 45 and verse number 1. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. Now watch this. This is key. It would appear from these prophecies, and even a lot from what we read in the book of Ezra. It would appear that Cyrus was a God-fearing man, and in a sense, he was. Check this out. There are a lot of people alive and well today who are God-fearing people in a sense. But Cyrus was not exclusively a mono theist. What in the world does that mean? It means he wasn't totally sold out and loyal to Jehovah God. Is there an echo in here this morning? Have you been hearing this theme this morning? He wasn't totally sold out to God. Knew a little bit about God. He was actually doing some of God's work, but not totally sold out. Fill in the last study note with me. He was, in fact, a polytheist, willing to allow for, everybody say allow. Will you draw a circle around that on your notes? I dare you. Draw a circle around that. Willing to allow for other lesser gods, little g, 
draw a line under that little G. To allow for other lesser gods to take their place in line with Jehovah God. Church, I ask you, is that a problem? Is that a problem? Matthew records the words of Jesus in his gospel. You can find it in chapter 6, the first part of verse number 24, and it says this. Listen to me, church. No one can serve two masters. Pastor, what about me? Read it with me. No one can serve two masters. Who can serve two masters? Not nary one can serve two masters. Who said that? Pastor Terry? Jesus said that. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul, boy, I'm telling you, Paul just really kind of gets down to the nitty-gritty. And he elaborated on that theme. Look at this with me, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Paul said, as inspired by Holy Spirit of God, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord, which, mind you, is Holy Spirit. little revelation going on there. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. The cup of demons. What is this? You have any idea what that is? Doesn't sound good, does it, church? Whatever it is, we're told that those who are a part of the forever family of God cannot drink from that cup and then drink from the cup of demons, whatever that is. Look at the latter part of the verse. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table, that is Holy Spirit, Filled communion, which is represented by the bread and the juice. That juice represents something real. When we're taking communion, we're not just eating a biscuit and drinking some Welch's. It represents something. It represents the Lord. The Lord's table represents communion with the Father by Holy Spirit. He says you can't have part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Woo! That's some good preaching up in here this morning. I believe I'm preaching better than you're amening. The cup of demons. What is this? Can I suggest this to you? I want to encourage Here's your homework for this week. Do a little study on that. In particular, those of you that haven't gotten over the, how do you put this, the social uh, party life of the world yet. You haven't got over that yet. Let me help you here. Beloved, it's a debauched lifestyle. That's what the cup of demons is. It's a debauched lifestyle that is so frequently forbidden in the Word of God. You have your study notes handy? Right up there with me, Ephesians 5 and 18. When you get a chance, go back and read that in light of what Pastor Terry has preached to you from 1 Corinthians 10 this morning. Beloved, what I've been sharing with you, just to put a period on all of this, is being depicted right in our own time, in our own country, by many of our own neighbors 
some of you, even your own family. And lo and behold, there's a warning. There's a word of caution for those that would dare to listen. The question this morning is this. Are you listening? Are you listening? Ezra was. And God used him in a powerful way to do a powerful thing among God's own people. In this day and age where it's so easy to observe, quote-unquote, the cup of demons and to stray away and to lose sight of the things of God. Beloved, more than ever, we need to come together and we need to pray together and we need to fellowship together around the things of God lest we lose the word of God and lose the blessing of God and end up spending eternity separated from God for forever and ever and ever. Wouldn't that be a horrible plight? Our prayer this morning is something like this. Heavenly Father, help me to want what you want. Help me to want what you want. Church, do you want what God wants? Not just for me. Not just for our country. Not just for our church. But for your own life. You see, if it won't work for you, then it doesn't matter beyond you. Lord, help me. To want what you want. Beloved, I can't think of a better way to conclude this program than by asking this. Are we listening? Are you listening? God is speaking by His Word today. God's spokespersons are putting it out there in every form imaginable, by every means imaginable, I should say. Uh, whether it's the means by which you're hearing it right now via television or social media or online, whatever the case might be, or just a simple reading of the Word. God is putting His message out there. Are we heeding that message? Are we listening? It's one thing for it to fall upon our ears. It's another thing to say that we're listening, taking it to heart. Happy are you if you do these things, James says to us. Not just knowing, but doing. Putting into to effect in our own lives. Allowing uh, God to facilitate His work in our own lives. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Know Jesus in a born-again relationship. Know God through Christ. Be filled with Holy Spirit and walk the walk. Live out the instructions of following after Jesus and living your life by the power of the Spirit. That's what we're called to do. Are you listening? Heavenly Father, I pray for each one that's tuned in the telecast tonight, and I pray that your word has penetrated their hearts, and Lord, that we will be motivated and influenced by your word to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to you. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Hey, before I go off the air tonight, let me encourage you to uh, check out our website. Uh, there's podcasts available. All of these television uh, programs, fully edited programs, are linked to our website. Uh, we have a lot of other things that we do, and we would love for you to uh, avail, avail yourselves of those opportunities in the days to come. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. I really need to get out of here. Trust you're going to have a great week what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you?